Our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk and then the head and the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, that's a weird text, Ellen. Don't you know it's Christmas Eve? I mean, where is Caesar Augustus and the census and, and uh, the ride on that donkey at nine months pregnant to Bethlehem? Where are the crowded inns and that manger, the shepherds and the angels? What's going on with this kingdom of God and planting and harvesting? Sorry. <laughs> you know, i got to keep you on your toes. A couple of weeks ago, after one of Andy's sermons, I got a Facebook message from one of you that said, and I quote, relating to the sermon today, are we literally or figuratively waiting for Jesus to come at Christmas? Don't you love that question? What a great question. I thought that is just perfect because I think the same thing. Are we waiting literally or figuratively for Jesus to come at Christmas? You know, how does this Advent work? Um, I've, I've always wondered, you know, it's, is it just that we're supposed to work ourselves up to the manger and, and to this emotional height, just like the pagans who are looking for the sunrise in the spring, right? The first dawning of the spring. It doesn't sound very Presbyterian to me. Uh, and, and December 25th, I mean, is Jesus going to be born on, 20, uh, on the 25th? Is that his birthday? Oh, but wait. Like, the Emperor Constantine set that as his birthday in the year 336. So, why December 25th? Like, hello? Of course, emperors can set Jesus' birthday wherever they want, because they're the emperor. Maybe he was trying to say that Jesus outshines the sun god Saturn in the festival of the winter solstice. In any case, you know, the three, there are three dates in the Christian church across the year that, that we celebrate Christmas. Three dates, not just one. It's December 25th for the church in the West, that is the Catholics and the Protestants. But what about the Armenians who celebrated, the Armenian Christians who celebrated on January 6th? And the Eastern Orthodox Church that celebrates it on January 7th, I mean in the Church of the Nativity, which marks where Christ was born in Bethlehem, they celebrate Christmas three times. So if we're supposed to be going all the way up to Christmas and expecting Christ to be born, which date do we head for? It's confusing with this Advent stuff. And I've got to let you in on a little secret, those of you all who are coming at 5 o'clock. The Holy Family today 
It's really not Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. So how does Advent work if we're, if we're heading toward Christmas? Then what's going on? Is Jesus figuratively or literally coming Christmas? Yes. Yes. And I'll tell you why I said, well, I'll wait just a minute. You're probably going, now wait just a minute, Ellen. I can get the figurative stuff, the figurative stuff. You know, I, I kind of get how the, the church calendar is, there's Advent, and then there's Christmas, and then there's Epiphany, all these seasons of the church year, right? And, and then Lent, leading up to Easter, and ordinary time that brings us all the way back to Advent, it's like there's this kind of rhythm, this kind of a, a spiritual rhythm or framework, almost like the seasons of our year uh, in nature. You know, we wait for that first little sprout of spring, don't we? We wait to bring out that tan in a bottle um, for summer. We, we wait for the finally get that little crisp fall day that gives us the break from the Dallas summer heat. We break, wait for that first, first real winter snap that we finally got, right? The year has a rhythm to it as well. We kind of get that. The older we are, the more we get it. There's a rhythm there. And it kind of grounds us, right? Well, so you might be saying, I kind of get how the, the church year and, and what may be going on spiritually is kind of like our physical year. And maybe, maybe Christ is coming at Advent in that way, but only figuratively. I mean... How in Christ's name can you tell me that Jesus is literally born again on Christmas? Reminds me of a conversation or maybe an argument between Nicodemus and Jesus. It was at night and Nicodemus was, after being told he needs to be born again, he said, how am I supposed to be born again? Am I supposed to go into my mother's womb? Hello? And Jesus says, no, silly, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. It's almost like, yes, for something to be literal, certainly something physical is literal. But I wonder if the most literal, the most true, is spiritual. In Mark 4, I think we have some clarity. God is always planting is the deal. Listen to this, this kind of paraphrase of Mark 4. That someone is planting the seeds and, and they sprout and they grow and, and then the farmer doesn't even know what's going on. Somehow the, the earth brings forth the crops, the stalk, and then the head and the full grain. 
It's like God is always planting. And his seeds are always seeds of hope. I believe that Jesus is the epitome of that planting. The seed of hope dropped into this world at just the right time. The greatest hope that we have. In the fullness of time, God planted this major seed. He sent his son, just an infant, a seed of hope. We got to look where God does his planting, though. Isaiah today tells us that out of the stump of Jesse, there came this shoot, this green seedling growing. Out of what was dead, dry, and cut off. God's always planting, and he chooses the strangest soil to plant in. Into the leftovers and the cutoffs, God puts his seed. You want to know where God's planting? Look in the most barren places in your soul, and I guarantee God is planting there. You have to look closely, and you'll see what you least expect, a little green shoot. Now, it can't be what you expect. The thing is, we look in those barren places and we look for what we want. But God is placing a new seed, a fresh green sprout. It's that yellow-green of spring, you know, and it kind of, it, it kind of bursts forth with hope. In the fullness of time, Christ is born. Where are your barren lands? I guarantee God is planting there. In the Disney movie, the fullness of time comes to fruition um, in the Beauty and the Beast, where, where two barren lands meet together. There's the barren land of Belle, who is intelligent and um, beautiful, well-read, and stuck in this poor provincial town, right? And then you've got the Beast, the barren land of his soul, the isolation and the, the, um, the pain of being a gruesome beast and, and a clock that's ticking. His hope is, is running out because the petals in the rose up in the bell tower are falling off one at a time and he's got to be loved and kissed by one he lo that loves him by the time that last petal falls off so he can turn back into the gorgeous prince. In the fullness of time, Belle stumbles into the castle. It's like there's a planter of some sort, or maybe that was the author. We 
watch the waitstaff who are trying to get Belle and the, the Beast to come together. The waitstaff who have become dishes because the same spell cast on the Beast put them on the, on the cupboard shelf. Their only hope was the seed that would be planted there. And to everyone's shock, there was this spark. And, and this little seed must have been planted. And, and my favorite song in the whole thing is, is when they're singing about the seed. New and a bit alarming. Who would have ever thought that it could be? And Mrs. Potts, the teapot, sings to chip the cup. There may be something there that wasn't there before. A shoot comes out of the stump of Jesse. Part I love most about that is the portrayal in this, in the story of how vulnerable that hope is, particularly for the beast who is, who is, has so much at stake. Hoping is risky. You got to be willing to water and tend that new growth. It's vulnerable, especially when there's a lot at stake. Well, I have a friend who is a, a former vice president and then, then small business owner, very successful just bursting with business acumen. And unfortunately, because of different hardships in life and the ways life has turned, she now sits in front of the TV day in and day out in her small one-bedroom apartment. And when she was asked, would you like to help counsel some young, new business owners that are trying to break into the small business world, she said, why? Why would I do that? I just get sued. Hope is risky and vulnerable. I have another friend, Sue Killingsworth, who's CEO material. She has a cruel and unpredictable disease, lupus. And I want to let you hear her story as she writes it. About three years ago, she had a lupus flare-up that just, um, it just took her down and she had to quit working. She knew she would never work again. And she says, during this time period, I shared my sadness with a dear friend who prayed with me. She asked me what I always wanted to do if I could try any career. My response was that I'd always dreamed of becoming an artist and specifically a painter. She encouraged me to go buy supplies and give it a try. Soon after our discussion, I did just that. My hope grew from prayer and from my friend's encouragement. See how Sue tended that little shoot as it was growing. My first painting wasn't very good, but I loved every second of painting, and I couldn't wait to try it again. 
I read and studied voraciously. I immersed myself in the amazing local art community. That's here in Richardson. After three years of dedication, I, have a, I still have a lot of learning ahead, but I can't wait to wake up every day and learn more. At 50, I finally feel I've found my calling. This year, I discovered that I particularly love to paint portraits. I like to find special things about each person, and I feel a very spiritual connection whenever I paint them. I feel so blessed to be a painter, and I would never have guessed that God would use my greatest loss to grow my greatest passion. In Advent, do we wait for Christmas to come literally or figuratively? What I know is this. The seed sprouts and grows, but the farmer doesn't know how. The earth produces crops all by itself, first the stalk and then the head, and then the full grain of the full head of grain, and soon it's harvest time. God is always planting. It's risky, but trust the planter. Merry Christmas.